If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I've done it all recently. I've launched my website. I've started blogging. There's a lot to learn. I'm just diving in head first. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest will be Sheila Drevna. Well, I'm your host, Susan Smith. I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend our days doing a lot of freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil, needle and thread attached at high speeds. If you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events hosted on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan, and these go out on the first and third Friday of every month. They are streamed live, and so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm actually working on it. They are, I call them my quilting reality show because I'm literally working through the challenges and decisions and choices that come up in any given project. And sometimes there's some oopses on camera too. If you'd like to be notified of upcoming live and unscripted events and also to know what type or topic of quilt that I'll be working on, be sure to sign up for my newsletter at the link in the show notes. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will Half of the Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. I'm guessing that many of you have the traditional red tomato pincushion somewhere in your quilting and sewing room. But did you know that the little dangly strawberry attached to it is not just for looks? Nope. It is actually a pin and needle sharpener. So it is filled with sand that is exactly the same stuff that is on an emery board that you would file your nails with. And it is intended to sharpen your pins and needles. So when you've got A needle that's got a little bit of a catch on the end of it or it's not just as sharp doesn't slide through fabric as easily as it once did. Slide it in and out of that little strawberry quite a few times and it will sharpen up that needle just beautifully for you. You know that I love my coffee. I've got a fresh cup in my hand right now as we speak. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, I invite you to go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. 
for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution to the upkeep of the show. I do thank you so very much for your support and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Today's guest is Sheila Drevna. Sheila is a native of Philadelphia. She is currently a long arm quilter. She does it as a business. But behind that current day snapshot is years and years of learning to live with some physical disabilities and learning to overcome them. And I don't use the word overcome lightly, but learning to deal with and surmount some significant obstacles to become the quilter that we see today. So let's go and meet her. This morning, I'm welcoming Sheila into my studio. Hi, Sheila. Hi, how are you, Susan? I'm really great. I'm so happy to have you here and really interested to hear your story, Sheila. Maybe before we dive in, you know, I know that you do have a significant story to tell, but maybe let's begin by having a snapshot of what your quilting business looks like today, and then we'll kind of back up and look at some of the things that led up to that. How does that sound? Okay. Sounds great. So um, my quilting business today, I've just recently started my quilting business. I've quilted for myself for quite some time. And by quilting, um, you you specifically mean long arm quilting, right? Yes, long arm quilting. I've been long arm quilting since probably about, mm, probably eight years ago, I got my first long arm and I bought a used one off Craigslist. And a funny story about that, the table was too low for me. So <laughs> it was a table, it wasn't really a frame. It was an older handy quilter. And we put it up on um, blocks and then it was too tall for me. <laughs> so I would stand on a, on a concrete block and quilt. <laughs> so I was, I was learning to quilt standing on a concrete block and I said I'd be the only person that broke their leg by falling off their concrete block quilting. I hope you captured some video of those days. <laughs> I didn't. I should have. <laughs> That's funny. But then um, I, I had it about a year and I decided I really liked this part of it. I liked long arming. I liked it better than piecing. Uh, it didn't have to be as, as accurate as piecing in it is. And um, it, it was more artistic, I think, to me. So I started uh, looking for how I could buy a new one. And I ended up with a Hanty Quilter Fusion with Pro Stitcher. So I do edge-to-edge quilting for customers. And I do art quilts and um, art quilts and personal quilts for myself. Um, I custom those more. Okay. So I think you recently launched... A website, is that right? Or did you just form a business out of it and you've been blogging and had a website for a while? No, I just recently, I've done it all recently. I've launched my website. I started blogging. Um, There's a lot to learn. (laughs) I'm learning how to do mega tags and um, looking at the analytics of it. It's, it's a process. I ordered my new business cards. I created a logo. Um, I'm just diving in head first. <laughs> you are. Good for you. And we'll, be, we'll talk about it more later, and we'll be sure to put in the show notes, too, where people can have a look at all of those things. 
But let's maybe step back for a few minutes and you tell me the story of some of the hurdles that you have found your way over and around to get to this point. Well, it started back in 2000. I thought I would work all my life until retirement. And I had a corporate job and I went to bed one night. Well, let me step back a second. I have lupus and I've had lupus for over 30 years now. Um, I went to I went to bed thinking I would get up and go to work the next morning. And I woke up in the middle of the night with my hands and feet feeling like they were in a fire pit. Uh, extremely painful. At 2.30 in the morning, I was facing the clock. I raised my arm up and my hands just hung. There was no movement. I could not move them. So from that, I went to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a month. I went blind during that time. They were doing steroid drops in my eyes. I had occupational and physical therapy. I had two years of IV chemo. I had IV steroids. The IV steroids destroyed my hips. I had to eventually have both my hips replaced. That was in 2003 and four. I came home uh, with an electric wheelchair lots of therapy and we figured I would probably be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And that did not happen. (laughs) I am a very determined person. I, um, I did all the therapy they told me to do probably a hundred times more than what they told me to do. I was constantly, uh, walking with a platform walker. I couldn't hold a walker. So the walker had, um, sticks that came up it looked like something from star wars it was i'm tall so it was a very tall apparatus and my arms laid on a shelf and there were velcro straps that strapped my arms on there and i shuffled through the house and my husband said i was going to wear holes in the carpet and i told him i was going to walk again Mm -hmm. so eventually i got back to where i could walk with a cane and then at that point i weighed a a lot. I I was normally, I'm tall, but I was normally around 100, 110 pounds. And I was over 200 pounds because of the steroids. So with a cane, I decided to join curves and take exercise classes to try to lose the weight. <laughs> and that's when I realized my hips were bad. And that's when I ended up getting my both my hips replaced. Um, I went from a cane to walking with nothing. Uh, I do have to be careful. I walk by sight. I have limited feeling in my feet and my thumbs. I do have use of my hands. Uh, My left side was affected worse than my right side and I was left-handed. So my left hand, um, I can't really feel a needle and thread. So when I started quilting, well, how I started quilting I needed friends and I was bored at home Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't watch daytime TV and I have always sewed something. I've sewed on sewing machines since I was 10 years old. I've hand stitched, um, kind of cross stitch, things like that, knitted, crocheted. And I thought, well, what can I do? I have all this time now. And I thought I've always wanted to learn to make a quilt. My grandmother made quilts, nothing fancy, utility quilts. But I thought, I'll see if there's a local class. So I took a local class and I called them up and I said, I have very limited use of my hands. 
I can use a pencil with a big rubber thing around it so it made it larger so I could hold it. I could use spring-loaded scissors. And I said I could trace around a template. And she said, do you have anything I, that you sewed? And I said, yes. I had a little nightgown that I made my granddaughter. And I took that. And she said, you can do this because you make two blocks at home a month. And that's how I started. So good. And I, I love that story. And that's why I wanted to start with where you are today and then show where you came from because the contrast is so marked. It really, really is. People are kind of amazed when um, they find out my story because a lot of times they look at my hands and they think that I have rheumatoid arthritis and they have no idea what I've come from. So do you, do you actually know what it was? Was it connected to the lupus? Or something different altogether? Yes. No, it, it was connected to the lupus. The antibodies that affect my motor and sensory nerves were crushing my spinal cord. Wow. And I have neuropathy in my hands and feet, permanent motor and sensory nerve damage. So looking at your, your quilts, your photographs of your quilts, then it just becomes more and more incredible to see the kind of work that you do. What a treat that you can have the choice at this point of having a pro stitcher, which does a lot of that fine detailed work for you and allows you to focus on the things that you can do and still offer a service to quilters. Yes, Pro Stitcher, um, that was a big learning curve too. I'm computer literate, but learning a program like Pro Stitcher, um, it, it took a while, but I had lots of notes. I'd write notes and there were a lot of uh, Facebook groups that you can join to help you figure out problems that you run into. And a lot of it was just think of it like a computer. If something is frozen, just unplug it, let it sit a little bit, plug it back in, reboot it, and start all over again. Even just the, I don't work a lot with digitized designs, so much of it is unfamiliar um, to me too. But I know that there's a whole other skill level in just the fact that you're working on fabric, which is flexible, which you know, as you've quilted one pass, for example, sort of pulls in a little tighter, and then you're left with trying to match up and line up perfectly the next pass, which is still a little bit wider. I hope that's making sense to our listeners. But there's just that whole level of complexity because you've got a different texture. You've got this fabric and batting that you're applying your digital design to. Yes. Um, my husband's a woodworker, <laughs> and... Uh, he was a shop teacher for 30 some years. And I try to explain to him that he'll say, well, you know, I'll show him something. And he says, but it's off by like an eighth of an inch. And I said, it's fabric. It's not like wood. It moves, it bends, it shrinks, it, there's bias, there's, right. you know, it stretches. <laughs> he said, wood doesn't do that. Exactly. And he goes, I guess so, you know, but it, it is, yeah. That's one thing when you start quilting, you realize the fabric does move and there's a difference between ironing and pressing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that is the whole, to me, the very remarkable skill level in working with digital designs is that you have to learn how to apply them to this fabric that, as you say, changes and moves and has bias. <laughs> okay. Yes. So some of the things that you're doing now, obviously, quilting is um, as a service. You blog as well. What type of blog posts do you write and kind of what's your goal with that? 
Um, I'm trying to educate. I love teaching people new things and new ways of doing things, um, things they have around their house that they can use to adapt. Uh, one of the things I use on my long arm is your leaders. If you have a smaller quilt on your long arm, my table is 12 feet long and the leaders that hold the quilt will flop and they are just flopping around. And I have found that snap bracelets that you just snap around your wrist, you can put those around your pole and keep your leaders from flopping. And I found I got a set on Amazon really cheap. It was a, a great tool to put on there. And it keeps them from flopping around and keeps everything nice and lined up. So I use a lot of adapting tools. I use um, needle nose pliers for threading my machine and pulling threads. And when I rip stitches, I pull out the little pieces of stitches with that. I blog a lot, a lot about things you can make, how to adapt. Um, I don't have a, I've just started blogging. So I only have about, I think maybe 10 blogs that I've done recently. The last one I did was about binding. What's the difference between straight of grain binding and bias binding and why you should use bias binding? Um, those are the things that I find interesting to me when I was learning, finding out why you do something a certain way. So I, I try to, I'm trying to make it so someone that's just starting quilting, they can learn some things from me. That sounds really great. And honestly, Sheila, I see a remarkable series that you could do in there that have to do with adapting for people that have, for one reason or another, physical challenges coming into quilting. You have firsthand knowledge of this and, and all the things that you've learned, the workarounds that you've learned, I think would be really, really valuable. That's kind of a little niche I could see you um, exploring. Thank you. Yes, um, I use glue-based a lot, Roxanne glue-based or Elmer's glue. And I glue a lot of things because when I very first started, I started learning paper piecing because someone said, you can just cut a big hunk of fabric and sew on that line and it'll make it a perfect seam and a perfect point. But I was having trouble with putting like two sections together. And at the time we were on a news group, Facebook wasn't around. And they would say, oh, just paper clip it or just pin it. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't pin very well. I can't paper clip. So I found that I glued it and it worked. I glued it in the seam allowance and I use Roxanne's glue a lot. You've just kind of highlighted the, um, the chasm, if you will. I would be like those people because I haven't experienced that physical challenge. I, my mind immediately says, yeah, why don't you pin it? But you come from the standpoint of, no, no, that doesn't work. So you are just the ideal person to, to address that for others who have those sorts of challenges. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. I hear from my friends that I have a ton of patience. Uh, I just, I guess I've always been a patient person when learning something new. I, I sewed left-handed and I wanted to put my quilts in a show. So I wanted to be able to bind it and sew it myself. So I taught myself to sew with my right hand now. And it was a challenge because when you sew left-handed, you sew left to right. When you sew right-handed, 
not only are you putting the needle in your right hand, but you're sewing right to left. So it, it was a challenge and I had a fight between my two hands, but every time the needle would go back in my left hand, I knew I, I really couldn't sew with it there. So I just put it back in the right. Now I automatically pick it up with my right hand. And it, you know, I've been doing it for quite a few years now, but I do automatically pick it up with my right hand now. Well, Sheila, seriously, I am all admiration. Good for you for, for persevering. I mean, that's a trait I'm seeing patients, but perseverance and determination. And I think your story can be so encouraging to other people who also, um, you know, find themselves wanting to do a thing and it's not easy, or I have these reasons why I can't. Guess what? There's a way around many of those reasons. And your, yes, your story illustrates that. Sheila, is there something that you would like to um, tell our listeners about maybe projects you have upcoming or mention where they can find you? We've talked about your blog, but for example, what's the name of your website or maybe your Instagram or Facebook handle? Sure. It's uh, Long Arm Love. So it's Long Arm Like the Machine and Love, L-O-V-E. Um, my blog is on my website. I'm on Instagram with Long Arm Love. I am on Facebook with Long Arm Love. Uh, I have a Facebook group for couching with your long arm. I love couching yarn. Uh, that's one of the things I do with my art quilts. So uh, I have a Facebook group and I'm planning on doing more YouTube videos. I have some, but I'm going to be doing more and working more on that Facebook page too. That sounds great. And we'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes. But I want to catch something here because I would wager that lots of our listeners perhaps don't know what couching is. Can you describe that in a couple of sentences and why it is so eye-catching? Sure. Um, couching is embellishing with yarn on top of the fabric. So your machine is stitching down the yarn on top of your fabric and it makes it very um, embellished and you can do variegated yarn. And I have now started couching on the back of jean jackets. I've made appliques with my long arm and I've sewed those onto the bottoms of my jeans. I've done tote bags with yarn. Um, I find it a lot of fun and it's very forgiving and it adds some um, texture to your items. It really does. It, it's almost three-dimensional because whatever your design is, you know, it's lifted the depth of the yarn off your, off your background. It's so beautiful, so tactile. Yes, I, I love the variegated yarn. I, um, one of the quilts that I've, I did a couple years ago was my Hippy Dippy flower quilt. And it was actually entered into MQX, Machine Quilting Expo, I uh, got accepted. I was all excited. And then the show was canceled because of COVID. And then they said, well, we'll have it next year. And then they completely canceled and it's no longer around. So my, my quilt did not make it there, but I was just so excited that it was accepted. And thankfully there are other shows. So, so keep hunting, keep hunting. You'll find a show to put it in. All right. Do you have something particular that you'd like to share with our listeners? I always like to ask for a nugget. It can have to do with your craft or creativity. It can have to do with learning to work through disabilities or challenges. Absolutely whatever you like. Some little nugget of wisdom for us. 
Um, my nugget of wisdom, let's see, I would say never give up. There's always a way. Ask friends, talk to other quilters. Quilters love to share and love to help each other. Um, never give up. And comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, it, that's a good compare one. Compare with yourself. Compare with yourself. Look where you came from. Look at your very first quilt you quilted. And a year later, go back and look at it and see where you're at now. But do not compare yourself with others because it will just take your joy away. That is so, so true. I had to write that one down. That is just so remarkable. Thanks so much, Sheila, for joining me. It's been a pleasure visiting with you today. And I look forward to seeing your journey unfold in future months. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I really enjoy talking with you. Wasn't that a great visit? I just found it so encouraging to talk to Sheila and just to listen to her calm, matter-of-fact way of saying, yes, I dealt with this and yes, I dealt with that. And over time, I was able to still progress and do the things that I love to do. So I hope that for any of you that are dealing with hard things too, that you find this really, really encouraging today. So thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you did enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can enjoy these stories too. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person or are one, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com and I'll get in touch. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.